couple of weeks ago, I listened to a message, or no, I actually didn't listen to a message. I saw the outline of a message and it was by a man by the name of Steve Penny, who's a pastor from Queensland. And uh, you, you uh, uh, may know of him, but it really struck me and I have not been able to get it off my uh, list. I've tried to uh, preach another message this morning but it keeps coming back to this. And uh, I want you to keep your humour this morning. (laughs) I am not using Pastor Steve's uh, outline. I'm uh, using what what I believe God's uh, given me. But I want to talk about this. This is, the title of this is called The Sin of All of Us. So, uh, All of us, me, you, us, my parents, our children, all of us before us. We've got to realise that this particular sin is a human problem. It's our problem. It's mine and it's yours. So don't take it personally and keep your humour on. But God's Word says a whole lot about this. And uh, the root problem of mankind is right here. And the vast majority of human problems, most likely your greatest hindrance and my greatest blockages and challenges are right here. It's a cause of wars, all sorts of crises, poverty. It's a cause of national and societal decline relational challenges, marriage failures, and at the root of nearly every family breakdown. Nearly, I didn't say all. This will stop you from moving forward with God and His people. It'll keep you on the outer. It will create in you an anti-discipleship dynamic. Rather than becoming a a participant in the last day's move of God, you will become a bystander or a spectator. Now, the last days, we are living in the last days. The reality is we've been living in the time called the last days since the time of Jesus. So I'm not getting too excited about Jesus coming back next week, next year, 2030 or even 2035. But we're living in the last days. We have been since Jesus rose from the dead. It was the church age. The church age and the last days run together. So rather than becoming a participant in the last days move of God, because I believe that the last days is now, and, and we are in the nations right now. There are unprecedented th- things happening. There, there is uh, incredible testimonies of God. We've heard of the tragedies in the Middle East and all the things. I tell you, man causes wars. God doesn't. Uh, that's another subject for another day. But if we don't deal with this issue in our own hearts, what I would call the sin of all of us, then we risk becoming a bystander or a spectator rather than a participant. 
The problem that I'm talking about is hardwired into our human nature. Like I said, it's your problem and it's my problem. If we don't have victory over this, if we don't learn the lesson, strongholds can be formed in our thinking and access points to the enemy of our faith will become open. And this is very biblical. The Bible talks about not giving place to the devil. In 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4, the Scripture says that the weapons of our warfare are not carnal or natural, but they are mighty to the pulling down of strongholds and the casting down of imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. That is 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 4. Now, by now, I'm sure that you would have addressed, you would know exactly what the word is that I'm talking about. Any guesses? Pride. It's good. If everybody had known the message, I was, I'd be preaching to the totally converted. But I wanted to write it here because it's a simple word. But I wanted to do a visual because that way I'll know that you're going to remember it. I didn't do it in red because I think sort of, you know, when people paint colours of the devil and that, there's always a bit of a green tinge. And just remember, stay happy this morning. I'm not talking particularly about you, although you're going to feel it. But I'm actually talking about me because it's my sin too. Do you know what? According to the Bible, there's only one that's good. There's only one that lived without pride. And that one is the one who came and gave his life for us and shed his blood so that the power of this, you know, back in the days when we were doing catechism, they called it original sin. But in the middle of pride is the I. So there's a good Bible study we're doing this morning and I'd love our Bible groups to talk about this uh, because I, I believe it's the heart of what's going on in our own lives, our own nation. Pride, it needs to be talked about because when we are talking about setting the order right in the year, it can't happen unless we start right here with a bit of a reality check. And even when we talk about freedom, you know, a good song, Julian, it comes out of what we've been talking about the last couple of weeks, how Jesus came to set the captives free. And we know that the truth will set people free. You know, people in this place have been set free from all sorts of things, massive things. And uh, some of the testimonies we've had recently have been extraordinary. But truth can't break into our world while pride's there. Now let's just see what the Bible says about this. Some of these scriptures are clangers. They've got a bit of punch about them. This is what it says. Do not love the world or the things in the world. Anyone here love the world? 
Not only one hand, I kind of like it a lot. <laughs> but you can like it and, and not love it in a wrong way. It's what the Bible says. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. In other words, if you're overly attached to the world, the way that the world's going, the things of the world, it says the Father, the love of the Father is not in him. But this is the part that I really wanna pick up on. It says, for all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is the world. And the world is passing away in the lust of it, but he who does the will of the Father will abide forever. That is 1 John 3, 15 to 7, 17. It's a human problem. It starts in the heart and the mind. First Scripture. The second one is really good. There are six things the Lord hates. Six things. Yes, seven are an abomination to Him. In other words, the translation is detested by Him. A proud, haughty look, Proverbs 6.16. Have you ever checked your look? You know, when you walk past the mirror and you go. I don't think Jesus is so much worried about that as when you walk past someone else and you look down on them. You know, God really wants us, you know, the, the reason I'm doing this is January. And, uh, you know, the, I don't want any heaviness to be in this Word, but I want us to be reflective and to identify in our own lives the sin of all of us. But I want, to, want you to read it again. There are six things the Lord hates and seven are detested by Him. The haughty look. In other words, if we have a haughty look, a haughty way about of us that comes from pride, God actually detests that. Thank God for the blood of Jesus that covers our eye. It's pretty cool. That's Proverbs 6.16, that one. Let's have a look at James chapter 4, verse 6. God resists the proud and He gives grace to the humble. Let's say it again. You can say it together. God gives, resists the proud and He gives grace to the humble. The word grace is unmerited favour. It would be better, you know, to have God not liking the way that we look or detesting the way we look. We can have that or we can have God's unmerited favour. What would you desire? And I believe this is why some people win and some don't. You know, some people just, for all they're wanting to break through, are a bit stuck. And this morning, I don't believe this is a total answer, but this is the beginning to every other answer that comes. Imagine having you moving forward with your best endeavours to succeed and do well, but because the motive is not right, God is actually resisting you. 
I believe sometimes when we're not breaking through with people, it is often because the Spirit of God in them is resisting something on the inside of us. So we need to allow God to deal with our heart. Do you know what? Um, I've had a touch of arrogance along the way. I have had a haughty look. And part of my testimony is I was in business with some other Christians. And I remember this happening. I remember one of my brothers saying, well, how are you doing it? How are you succeeding? How, how are you, you know, driving the car you are? And I remember it. This. I remember it. And do you know what? I felt the favour of God lift away from me. It's not that God didn't love me. It's not that God didn't want the very best for me. But God actually stopped me in my tracks. Lynn knows. And my haughty look affected my wife, my children, because God wanted to bring me back on track. It's interesting in the next verse, the next verse is actually the next verse straight after that. It's James chapter four, verse seven. And it's interesting because here the word says, submit to God, resist the devil and he will flee. Now I've heard a lot of people say, resist the devil. They're getting belted up by the devil. Just resist him. I've heard this. Great advice, but we forgot the most important part, which is submission to God. And what it is, what submission, what submission to God is, it is a position of the heart. And God wants us to be submitted in our heart, flexible, pliable in the hand of God, obedient to God, responsive to Him. You know, God created us for victory, but the Bible says this, it lays out the blueprint, submit to God, resist the devil, and then he will flee from you. Wow. Proverbs 26 verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Do you know anyone like that? Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Stop looking at me. <laughs> it's good to be wise, but you better make sure that your wisdom is not your own. Because the Bible talks about two sources of wisdom. There is a wisdom that comes from above. And there is a wisdom that is demonic, sensual. And, and it says, wherever there's selfish ambition, you know, you'll find in a lot of words, right in the middle of them is that word, I. This is amazing. Proverbs 26, verse 12. Do you see a man wise in his own eyes? Do you know what it says next? There's more hope for a fool than him. <laughs> I didn't write the Bible but maybe one of the wisest leaders in the history of the nation of Israel wrote the book of Proverbs. 
Mind you, this is interesting because Solomon, the author, became wise in his own eyes. It's always the risk. It's always the risk when you're successful. And you know, there's a earthly trappings of success around you and someone can say, how did you do that? And you go, well, it's the haughty look. And if you're not careful, God can just go, I'll show my son, my daughter. I'll just remove my unmerited favour for a season. And just by the fact that we are living in this great, wonderful nation, we are living under the unmerited favour of God to be here, to be alive. But the unmerited favour of God, do you know what? I believe this is going to be very important in the next few years to learn to live a life that attracts the favour of God. Proverbs 18 verse 19. Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. Can I read it again? Pride goes before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. Better to be a humble spirit with the lowly than to divide the spoil with the proud. You know, when I think about that, there will be a spoil for the pride. Do you know what it'll be? Nothing. Because what's been given can be lost so easily. Are we doing okay up there? You happy? Want to ask the person next to you, are you happy? (laughs) That's my introduction. (laughs) Now, this is a very difficult thing. I was thinking this morning about this. Remember, you know, the song, Oh Lord, it's hard to be humble when you are perfect in every way. The song is called Put Another Log on the Fire, I think. Does anyone know that song? Lord, it's hard to be humble when I'm perfect in every way. Now, I tell you what, walking with God is a humbling experience. God will insist that we come to the place where our heart is correctly postured with Him if we are to serve Him. I'm going to jump into 2 Timothy chapter 3. If you could open your Bible there, that would be good. So... This scripture, uh, 1 Timothy chapter 3, 1 onward, talks about the signs of the times. It says, But know this, that in the last days perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, Unholy. Does that ring a bell? 
I read that 20 years ago and I could see a little bit about it. But you know, I don't know where we are on history's timeline, as I said, because no man knows the day or the hour, but we can see the, the signs of things hotting up around the globe. But it's like the more I look at that scripture over the years, the more I see it's now. I believe that this is a problem that we just need to talk about. We need to move on from here. I love preaching positive faith messages. That's where I feel comfortable. But when you do that, you don't always have to deal with the issues of the heart. And I, I'm worried about this because I think we are living in a day of a great accountability where God wants us to deal with our hearts. Know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. For men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers without self-control. Brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. That is the state of things. Now I just wanted to give you some signs this morning that maybe it's time to reassess your own life and, and check yourself out. It's like when you go to the doctor, I go every year to the doctor and get a check out, just to check out my health. But I believe as you run through this and you check yourself, you can discover your spiritual health. Signs that we may need to win against pride in our own life. Number one, self-focus. In the last days, perilous times will come for men and women will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, proud. And the word, the actual word there is arrogant. And I believe that in our nation, one of the problems is pride and arrogance sort of taking it to the extreme. But I believe that we, God's people, maybe, no, not maybe, I'm not going to soften this down, definitely have been arrogant. It's the church. It's God's people. It's me, it's us. But God wants to change things. Be careful. We're living in the age of self. Self-care, self-motivation, self-preservation, self-time, self-determination. But, and there's, and there's always a benefit in some of these ideas. For instance, self-time is a great thing. Self-development is important. But the motivation needs to be right for that. Because if the I is in the king, in the middle, we are going to create problems for ourselves, problems in our family, problems for all that are following us. I remember the day that we got baptised in Bendigo. I mentioned it 
I mentioned it there last week when we were preparing for the baptisms, which were awesome. I remember because George McMahon, the man who baptised us, said, there'll be many sons and daughters and there'll be great fruit, but Brian, watch the sin of pride. God's had to iron me out a couple of times. Well, I felt I was being ironed out, but God was dealing with me very graciously, really, because the alternative is not good. Number two, the second sign of pride is not being teachable. Not being teachable. Another word in this same passage, it talks about being haughty and headstrong. If you go a little bit further, it says heady and high-minded. And the word, the Hebrew word is tufu. It's a good word which means to inflate with self-conceit and to blow smoke. Well, it says actually it words envelope yourself with smoke. I prefer to say blow smoke. Nobody can teach you because you already know. Now, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking to the person next to you. I'm talking to me. Just turn to the person next to you and say, are you tufu? Are you blowing smoke? Another way you could put it is, are you a buffhead? It is smart to guard yourself for being against all knowing. I've got to tell you this story. This is a funny story. A very, very dear friend of mine, who I love very, very much, was given a job in a car yard in Sydney. Young man, he was given the job of driving the executive type cars, the Audis and all those flash cars from the car yard to the service station to fill the tank. His wife said, be careful, there's a speed camera. His mother-in-law said, be careful, there's a a speed camera. His father-in-law said, be careful, there is a speed camera. His boss said, be careful, there's a speed camera. It's a true story, it's funny. I love this guy. (laughs) And he said, the boss said to him, just don't leave the car running. And my friend drove those cars, but always loved to do jobs on the run and leave the cars running. Well, one day he'd returned from the petrol station and he'd come into the, into the car yard and he wanted to drop something off in the office, but do you know what he did? He left the keys in the car and the car running. Next thing, The wheels are spinning in the car. There's a bloke with a hoodie in the car who's stolen the car. A brand new Audi or something like that. At least it had a full full tank of gas. And the car, the wheels went, whoa, out there. And my friend, being a fit sort of bloke, chased the car. Why would you even bother? He knew he was in trouble. 
And he unfortunately, the lights turned red. And there's this bloke in the hoodie in the car. He winds down the window and it was his boss. <laughs> he said, I told you not to leave the car running. Anyhow, it must have been a bad week in my friend's life because that week the printout arrived from the traffic infringement people. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, not seven, not eight, not nine, not ten. Eighteen traffic infringements. <laughs> How funny. I love this guy. I love this guy. And I say to him every now and again, he's my friend, I say, mate, how's your look? Because God has His ways of lovingly correcting us. And the amount of finance that it can cost you can relate, it's commensurate with the amount of pride. (laughs) It's a good story. Anyway, much love to all. I'm sure you've done stupid things too. (laughs) Not being teachable. Do you know what? I've found this is a problem with people because Jesus is the teacher. He's the man. And now Holy Spirit is the teacher. And He's teaching His leaders and his coaches, and even his business people and his school teachers, wherever they are, to be good teachers. We need to be good students. I say this often because it's so, so important. At my age, I've officially reached retirement age now. Doesn't look like it's gonna happen just yet. But I determined to make myself teachable. To put myself as the student, I've got a mentor over my life. I've got men over my life and women that can speak in there. This is really important to healthy Christianity to have people like, it's, it's actually critical in this day to make sure that you're well connected to wise people who can take you further in your spiritual life, in your family life, in your business life. The answer to further is to find those people that are like fathers, mentors, coaches in our life. Not being teachable is a sign, you know, uh, that the I is still being exalted in our lives. See, it's really hard to come to Christ fully while we're like that. So can I ask you a question? Who are you giving access to, to take you further? Now listen, it doesn't have to be me, but it needs to be someone. Somebody's got to be able to take you further in your walk. You know, if you want to go further in your business, you're not going to ask the office girl for advice. You need to be connected to somebody who can take you further. Somebody who's done the hard yards. 
somebody who's already made the mistakes you don't need to make. I remember this little guy out at Nambrock. He was so excited when I was a chaplain out there. He was so excited about going to school. He was so excited. His name was Oren. You'd remember him. Anyhow, he got to school and he was so excited. And then the next morning, his mum got him out of bed and he said, have we got to do this all again? I've already done that. Now, a lot of Christians are just like that. But do you know, there's a whole world in front of us if we'll allow people to guide us and teach us. Do you know what? We need people. We need coaches. We need anointed leaders. We need people with wisdom, prophetic people in, in, you know, in our lives. We need to actually say, what do I need to learn? This is the absolute best way to grow so quickly. It's hard work to try and make it on your own in this world and we're not meant to. Number three, number three, position without process. Position without process. I believe that God wants to use us all Every one of us. God wants to use you. He wants to use me. He wants to use this. When we go for the position before God has done the process, we are setting ourselves up and others for a fall. You know, I look at so many realms of society now where people just want the top job. And they will do anything to get the job done, you know, to get there anything, but God has not worked a process on the inside. You know, every great leader that you see in the Bible, you can look at the great results, but you should look at the process. I think of David, I, uh, sorry, I think of Joseph, because at 17 he said, hey, I had a dream told his brothers, I, who, am going to rule over you. That's a dumb thing to say to your big brothers. Do not do that. Never do that. Because <laughs> you're going down. I know this. I was the youngest boy for older brothers. I was the Joseph in my family. My second name is Joseph. I went through process. <laughs> and I was naughty. I was very naughty. I had brotherly, little brotherly ways of getting big brothers back. I don't want to put that out on the video. I'll tell you personally. <laughs> but my secret came out at a family event where Anita... God bless her, told my uncle why he had so many flat tyres when he was a young man. <laughs> I said, <laughs> too late and he looked. Oh, that was a good reunion, that was. <laughs> so funny. But see, in every one of us is the, I'm gonna do this. I am, I will. 
And the Bible talks in the book of Ephesians about selfish ambition. Because see, our aspirations, our goals have got to become tempered by the Holy Spirit. You know, this is where this song that we sung this morning is such a key because the song says, it's no longer I that live. It's no longer me, but it's Christ that lives in me. That was the Apostle Paul. You know, when Joseph eventually did rise to be the Prime Minister of Egypt, it was no longer him. It was Christ. He was like Christ to that nation. Do you know, if I, if I had some advice for you this morning, apart from doing a self-assessment on, on all this, is I would love the process. I would commit to the process. Do you know what the process involves? Sometimes it involves going broke. I've done that. I've done most of them. It involves going broke. It involves uh, being betrayed. Anyone had that? I think I've had that too. Definitely had that. It involves people who you really gave your life to and trusted them. They went and broke that trust. Has that happened to anybody? Of course it has. Do you know what? The problem's not you. This is stuff that happens in life. And this is process. And when it happens, do you know what the Bible says? Be joyful, give thanks, because God is producing something on the inside of you. You know, if you've been through pain, betrayal, bad reports, people speaking things about you that are just not true, then do you know what? Your best days are ahead. If you understand process. I want to say this to everybody in the room this morning. Your best days are ahead. Awesome. Your best days are ahead. Even at 67, I know my best days are ahead. Your best days are ahead. Our young people, you are very blessed. Your best days are ahead, but you've got some difficult times to go through. Because I'll tell you, the, the, uh, uh, the spirit world out there, the culture is going to go after you and is going to want to mess you up so that you'll never be any good for God ever again. It's going to happen. I've seen it to happen. Every person who determines that they're going to follow God. Position without process. Don't worry about the position. Go through the process. The world leaders are crawling over one another to get to the top. But the kingdom of God is the exact opposite. I just want success. Be careful of that. I, I think success is a great idea. But you know, Jesus, if you look at him in an earthly sense, wasn't that successful. Had 12 people in his church at the end. One of them was an absolute dud. And he died on a cross. But you've got to look at the big picture. Position without process. I get worried when people chase after position. 
without let God building the foundation on the inside. If you're going to lead and lead in society, let God do the work in you. Number four, a tendency towards offence. Now, I know I've got to move very quickly now. So I'll move through this point because I don't want to offend you too much. A tendency towards offence, holding offence. Can I just say something about this generation? This generation's very soft. They're an air-conditioned, cold-packed generation. They are pumped up, told they can't fail. They're given encouragement awards when they've broken half the windows in the schools. And when it doesn't work out, they leave offended. This is a great error. I'm sure you'd understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) This generation is spoken of in this particular passage because it says, in the last days, men and women will be unforgiving. And it all ties back into pride. Forgiving is not easy. I've really had to learn that. Lynn and myself have had eight years to learn this lesson. And the ones that are closest to us know what we mean. Do you know John Bevere? He's written the best book on earth that all of us should read this year, if not this month. Even if you look at the cover, it'll change your life potentially. It's called The Bait of Satan. Because what God does in the church, in the marriage, in the relationships, is He puts the bait of Satan in there, which is the opportunity to be offended. Is this true or what? You know, massive offence. We're living in a time where, wow, wars, rumours of wars, all this stuff. People are offended if you give the wrong pronoun. Number five, how are we going? Still doing all right? No one want to leave just yet? (laughs) Independence is a sign of pride. Now, I'm not necessarily talking to you, I'm talking to me because I am fiercely independent. And I've really got to work on that. Seriously, I can think of me. My wife outshines me so much on this whole thing that at times I think, wow. It's like I'm thinking I'd like a cup of tea and she goes, do you want a cup of tea? (laughs) This is what she's like, she's amazing. And I think I need a cup of tea and I go and make myself one. (laughs) I think it's a bloke thing. So Graham, we'll let you off the hook, all right? It's a bloke thing. How's the look going there? Independence. I used to run marathons, run 20 mile on my own on Sunday morning. That's good. That's a great thing to do. But if you fortify your life and your mind like that, it makes it hard for you to be used in the kingdom because we are not called to be independent. 
Independence, listen to this, this is what Proverbs says, amen. So the women are off the hook here. I'm just throwing the women in there because in those days they talked about men and didn't count the women. That's pretty crook, isn't it? But it says, a man who isolates himself, Proverbs 18.1, seeks his own agenda. It's, it's, and, and, you know, I read that and I'll look at it and I'll watch that. And when people continually make themselves operate independently, I know this, they have their own agenda. It's not my job to call it out unless it hurts everyone else. But independence is a sign that it's you and a dog named Boo. And that's all if you've got a dog. Anyway, I'm just trying to keep it humorous. Some of my jokes are lousy. But independence, I'll read what the Bible says, a man who isolates himself, seeks his own desire. And it goes on to say that he rages against all judgment. I'll get the women on side here. Any women got husbands like that? No, I don't want to start any fights. The Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together of the saints, as is the manner of some. One of my mentors, early mentors, used to say, if we grow independent, we grow weird. Gosh, I know some weird people. And a lot of them are Christians. You know, God just told me to go here, go there, do this, do that. Well, I say, I'll tell you, this is what the Bible says, don't forsake the gathering together as is the manner of some. Especially, as you see, the day with a capital D approaching. I think all of us need to be in some kind of fellowship where we are teachable, serving, accountable, contributing to the greater cause of Christ. John Paul Jackson was a prophetic man who... I, I, I just loved his teaching and he was a real a good man. He passed away a couple of years ago and he did a series of growing in the prophetic. Three messages. The title of the first one was relationship. The title of the second one is relationship. The title of the third one was relationship. Do you know what? Relationship keeps you safe. It's God's idea. It's not good that man should live alone. Believe me, it's not. Still going all right? All of these, you can unpack them. Good Bible study. Number six, deception. Pride and deception always go together. The first place in the Bible where pride manifests was in the account of the garden. The actual first time pride manifested was in the heavens. I'll just read this to you. And it's talking about Lucifer. Do you know, uh, and we are getting very close to the end, so just relax. The fall of Lucifer. How are you, you are fallen from heaven, O Lucifer? Son of the morning, how you were cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. 
For you said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit in the mount of the congregation on the farthest side of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. I wanted to read that to you because this is the source. This is where pride originated in the heart of heaven's worship leader. All got, always got to watch the worship team. <laughs> got to watch it being a pastor. You've got to watch it being a success in life because this I will thing is our human nature. It's where the pain is. Deception. The inevitable result of pride, and this is the the bottom line of the message is number one, pride, deception, the fall. Pride, deception, the fall. Lucifer thought he could be like the Most High. And you know what God did? Turned him into space trash. Now God's got an antidote to all this. The last point I wanted to talk about is this, the last sign of pride needing to be dealt in our life is a critical spirit. A critical spirit is not involved in the game. A critical spirit is not well related in the body. I've got to be careful because I can be critical. I can very quickly look at something else and see what's wrong. I can look at the songs and think I wouldn't do it that way. I can look at the way that people dress and think I wouldn't dress like that. But you know, we've got to be careful because Jesus, the, the Scripture says about six things, the Lord hates seven are detestable. But when it came to people, that Jesus clearly had a problem with it was the Pharisees because the Pharisees were not involved in the game. They lived by the letter of the law and they condemned people for falling short of their expectation. That is the height of arrogance. You, you've got to watch a critical spirit because it just creeps up on you. People who are critical very... <laughs> clever at being critical. Now I'm not, I, I don't think we should be blind, but you go to the person, never talk about the person. You go to the leader, don't talk about the leader. This will keep you alive. It's a really healthy, honourable way to relate. Be careful because our adversary, the devil, wants to get in on conversation. You know, when things aren't going well for you, resist the urge to be critical. Go to the person. Seek restoration. Keep your relationships open and transparent. They tell me that disease X is coming. <laughs> <laughs> 
God, that's going to be a ripper, isn't it? What will the antidote be? There's a bigger problem than that. It's here. Now, when you come back in a couple of weeks, I get to preach once in February, I think, I'm going to talk about the antidote. And I'll give you the verse now so you can start to go right there. I think we just all just need to have a bit of a reflect about this, a bit of a chat about it. Don't criticise the message though. I'll hear about it. Hey, a good thing to handle are critical people because some people are just critical. This is always a good thing to say to them. Can I quote you? That's normally the end of the argument. (laughs) Now, where are we? I'm going to Ephesians. Philippians. See, Lucifer established one pattern which, which has such an impact on our, our, it's where we get our human nature from. But Jesus came into the earth and He set another pattern. Now, let this mind be in you, which is in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, didn't consider it robbery to be equal with God, but made Himself of no reputation, taking on the form of a bondservant and coming in the likeness of men. And being found in appearance as a man, He humbled Himself. He humbled Himself and became obedient to the point of death, even the death on a cross. Therefore God exalted Him and gave Him the name which is above every other name that at the name of Jesus Christ, every knee shall bow and every tongue confess. Whoops, I'm getting ahead. Those in heaven and those on earth and those under the earth and every tongue shall confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the God and Father. Last comment, the only way up, the only way up for the church is down first on our knees. Prayerful, repentant, confessing. You know, you don't have to confess sins to a priest or anything like that, but you get in there with God and the people and matter and, and, you know, deal with some stuff because this is going to be a great year. I believe if we can take this in and all of us can do something with this message, it'll set the platform for a very positive break year, year, year for you and I and all of us in the city. So why don't you stand? We're just going to pray and then uh, we're done. Yeah, that song would be good. So really great to have you all with us. And we thank Jesus for what you're about ready to do. God, just set us free on the inside from every hindrance, everything that we think about ourselves. You know, do you know even low thinking about yourselves can be pride? Because not what God says about you. So, you know, when, when we humble ourselves, it's not God wants us to, if I can say this, grovel. He wants us to come to a reality of relationship with Him where we realise 
we always, always need to change. All of us. God, make me a better leader. And on that, you know, the best way to lead is to serve. One of our young men rung me during the week and he hadn't got a position in the church, but he's here for a while. And he said, and it, it sort of blew me away. He said, how can I serve you? How can I be a better servant? That's what he said. Do you know what Jesus came to serve? The more you're prepared to serve, the higher God will take you. Servant leader is the best leader. Not many leaders lead now. They command, they smash, they break. They rule over. Well, how we've missed it. Now we need to come back and lead like this. Be a teachable leader. Be a teachable leader. Every day, get somebody to help you on this walk. Be honest. Don't be independent. Don't stand alone. It's crazy out there. Be part of community. Become part of the church. Really jump in and become part of it. Don't just go to church, be the church. Love, love people. I wish they put this stuff on 60 Minutes. <laughs> but they don't. But this is who we are and this is who we've got to be. This is who we're called to be. This is who we're called to be. Man, we can have a breakthrough. We can see lives change. But the first one that's got to be changed is me.